The epistle reading this morning comes from Acts chapter 10, verses 34 through 43. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in that Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem, and they killed him by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. The gospel reading this morning comes from Mark chapter 16, the first eight verses. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, Who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I have a favorite cartoon, a favorite Easter cartoon. In this Easter cartoon, there are two Roman soldiers standing with their backs against what is obviously a rocky outcrop. And over in the corner of the cartoon, you can see the feet, the bare feet, of someone who is walking away, and you can see the, the lower portion of the white robe of this person walking away. And one of the soldiers looks at the other Roman soldier and says, what do you mean? It wasn't you who just said good morning. What a way to start the first Easter Sunday morning, hearing the voice of Jesus Christ as he walks out of the tomb, wishing you a good morning. Now, my favorite gospel telling of the story comes from the Gospel of Matthew. I just love that telling. In the story told by Matthew, there's a violent earthquake, and an angel is seen descending from heaven, and the guards who are guarding the tomb become so fearful that they literally fall out. I love the drama and the dramatic aspects of Matthew's telling of the story. You know, often we turn the gospel story into 
a sweet story. Isn't Jesus nice? Doesn't he love us so? Yes, yes, Jesus is nice. Yes, he loves us so, but there was nothing sweet and kind about the, res the crucifixion at all. It was brutal. It was a horrifying way to die. And Jesus went willingly. We like to say that Jesus went willingly because he loved us. But I disagree with that. I don't think he went because he loved us, even though he did. He would not have come down from heaven knowing that death was the outcome if he didn't love all of humanity. But no, I believe that he went willingly to the cross because he loved the Father. He loved the Father enough to be obedient unto death. And then after the crucifixion, after the body was laid in the tomb, there was a weekend of agony. Hours and hours with each hour feeling at least like a day as time seemed to just crawl by. Hours and hours of worry. Hours and hours of fear. Who would be next? When would the Roman soldiers burst our door down and carry us out to Golgotha to be crucified just as they did Jesus? And then finally, Sunday morning came. The Sabbath was over. The work week had begun. The women were up early just after sunrise, we're told. There was enough light for them to be able to make their way through the crooked, narrow streets of Jerusalem but not enough light to completely drive the darkness away. Maybe there would be enough darkness to hopefully hide them so that if the soldiers came and saw them traveling to the tomb, they would not stop them. These women were going to perform the last act of loving care. They didn't have time to be afraid. They had to do their duty. As they walked, they worried. Remember, these are the women who were at the tomb on Friday afternoon. They had watched the stone being rolled over the entrance to the tomb. They worried, who is going to be around at this time of the morning to move the stone away? How are we going to get in to do what we have to do? I do love the Matthew version of this story. Jackson and I recently watched a movie about the resurrection. It was very similar to a movie we watched a couple of years ago, and both of those movies were very similar to Matthew's telling of the resurrection story. In the movie, the Roman soldiers are standing in front of the tomb, and it's obviously still dark. You can see perhaps just a little glow on the horizon as daylight is beginning to creep up and it's cloudy. And then you see a streak of gold coming through the clouds. It, it's hard to tell at first. Is that a, a meteor? Would you call that a falling star? No, it's far too bright for that. And it's just glittering gold. And it falls from the sky and becomes an angel who lands on the tomb, becomes a messenger from heaven wearing golden armor, who stands on the tomb as light begins to shine around the edges of this stone. 
this angel steps down and rips the Roman seal off the tomb. And the stone moves as light blazes out of the tomb. That's how I envision the resurrection happening. Ladies and gentlemen, this was not sweet baby Jesus toddling out of the tomb. This was the Lord of creation striding out of the tomb in a death-defying, stone-shattering blaze of light to pronounce to the whole world that nothing would ever be the same. God was once again on speaking terms with all of humanity. The possibility of redemption and a close relationship with God was present and offered to all of humanity. The possibility of resurrection and an eternal presence with the eternal God was offered. This was the scene the women walked into that Sunday morning. A stone already moved, a tomb already empty, and a world already changed in ways that they could not yet understand. What did the angel say? As they, as they looked into the tomb and they saw what appeared to be a young man dressed in white sitting in the tomb, the first words of the angel were, don't be alarmed. If you've ever read through scripture, you might have noticed that every time an angel is present, those are the first words that the angel says, don't be alarmed, don't be afraid, don't panic. The angel is saying to the women, be courageous, don't be afraid, something new has happened, something different has taken place. But it does not have to call you, cause you worry. Instead, it can cause you great joy. And then the angel invited them to come in and see. Come and see where the body was. Come and see that there's nothing in here to see. Come and see that death has already been banished. Come and see that darkness has already fled the tomb. Years ago, when I was serving a, a church and it was my responsibility to choose the bulletins that we used every Sunday morning. I, several months ahead of Easter, chose an Easter bulletin out of a catalog and ordered it. The description of the bulletin in the catalog said that it was a picture of a cave that was illuminated from the inside of the cave, so it was very easy to see that it was empty, and it represented the empty tomb. And I thought, well, that's a, that's a good Easter bulletin. That's a good Easter message. So I ordered the bulletins, and when it actually came time to use them, and I pulled them out, when I first looked at the bulletin, I said, <gasps> and I saw it from a whole different perspective. No longer was I standing outside of the tomb looking into a tomb that was illuminated with bright light so that it was easy to see that it was empty. Instead, it felt like I was inside the tomb like I was closed in, like these walls of stone were wrapping around me. I'm just a little bit claustrophobic. That was not a good feeling. It almost felt like it was hard to, to breathe for just a, a few seconds until I realized I'm just looking at a picture. 
but I felt like I was inside the tomb and the light was already outside the tomb. And what I wanted to do was run, run as hard as I could, as fast as I could to get out of that darkness, to get out of that, that consuming, strangling feeling of being closed in and run to the light. The angel did not invite the women to come into the tomb and see and then stay there. He invited the women to come into the tomb and see. There's nothing here to see. There's nothing left here. And then go out and tell. He invited the women to go out into the light of Christ that was no longer trapped in the tomb, to go out into the light of Christ that was out in the world. He said, go and tell that he is risen. And folks, that's exactly what we should do. We're no longer trapped in the tomb ourselves. We're no longer trapped by darkness and death. We are able to step out into the light of Christ and share the good news of the resurrection with all who will listen. Now, if you were listening as I read the scripture, you noticed that the Mark telling of the resurrection ends rather abruptly. The women are told to go and tell, but, but they hide in fear. There are a lot of explanations for the reason that Mark ends so abruptly. One of the more commonly accepted explanations is that somehow the last few pages, the last few inches of the scroll, the last few pages of the manuscript were destroyed, were lost, uh, and someone in the following years added an ending just to keep it from ending so abruptly. But there's also a line of theological thought that Mark ending the gospel so abruptly was purposeful. The gospel was written to be read. Can you imagine a room full of people hearing the entire story of Jesus read, hearing all of the gospel of Mark read out loud, and then it stops so abruptly, and then the reader looks at the people and asks them if any of them have seen Jesus. And there would potentially be an eyewitness, maybe it would even be the one reading the, the letter of Mark, the gospel of Mark, Someone who had witnessed the resurrected Jesus, someone who had noticed that he was not in the tomb, someone who had experienced his presence to fill in the end. Perhaps Mark left it with such an abrupt ending so that the readers and the hearers of the word would then see themselves filling in the ending would be able to incorporate their journey of faith into this ending. So let me ask you this morning, what would your personal ending to the story told in Mark be? Would you be one of those folks who heard the angel say, come in and see there's nothing here, and then go and tell the world, but you were too afraid? Or would you be one of those folks who realized that the tomb was empty, the light was already out in the world, and it was your job to follow the light, 
to be a part of the work that Jesus was doing in this now changed world, to be a part of what the kingdom was supposed to be in building the kingdom, would your personal ending of the resurrection story in the Gospel of Mark be one whereby you tell everyone, He is risen, He is risen indeed. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen.